All right. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast. I'm excited today because uh, we have a fitness con- connoisseur. Would you be a fitness connoisseur? I, Am I using that word wrong? Because the connoisseur is like a specialty. It's a like specialist, a, right? Somebody, somebody that really of, gets yeah, into it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to have a whole chest by April. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited. I'm about to learn a whole lot today. Welcome. How Hi, are you? Thank you. I'm good. So, well, introduce yourself to the people that don't know. Well, and we can start right there. I am Dale Lynn, better known as Queen Dales on Instagram, and I am from Houston, Texas. And I have uh, lost 145 pounds, and my story was recently featured in People Magazine, Half Their Size Edition. Wow. Yeah. 145? 145 pounds. All right. Yeah. So, for one, I just want to get into the mental side of being able to lose that type of weight because yeah. I'm having a hard time not eating pasta <laughs> like it's a whole mental For game sure. you know what i'm saying like I, sure. i'm looking at the menu and i'm like okay i'm not going to do it i'm not going to do it but then i see like sun-dried tomatoes in there and there's something <laughs> going on in my brain yeah. that won't allow me to say no to so down, right? talk to me about like the mental aspect of doing something like that well most people don't realize that a weight loss journey is actually more mental than it is physical once you can get your mind around the mental part and you can um, understand that the journey is going to take a lot of self-control and willpower, then you'll be able to get the physical. Because I thought it was all physical. Like, mm-hmm. if I could just get in the gym, I'll be okay. No, because what ends up happening is you try to outwork a bad diet, and you can't. You can't you, outwork you a bad diet. You cannot outwork a bad diet. I tried. I thought if I stayed in the gym like six days a week, mm-hmm. and I worked out, I could still eat what I want. Mm-mm. I did that for like the first month, and I told myself I wasn't gonna weigh myself. I, my tail, 302 pounds, got on a sweatsuit at the right, gym, right. and I'm like, I'm gonna work hard. I'm telling my husband, babe, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this right. And I go home and I cook all the good Southern stuff, and I, I think I got on the scale, and maybe I lost a pound in that one month. Discouraged. Wow. Discouraged. And then that's when I realized, okay, I'm doing this all wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to cheat the system, and you can't. There's no way around it, you know. So mm. can you? Can you just eat right without going to the gym? Because I really have a, a pure hate for yeah. the gym. I don't, I don't yeah. like going. No, and you, when I go to the gym, you know how like, people like, they feel good after? I don't even feel good after. Yeah, but, yeah. And that's crazy because I actually do. I don't feel good, but I, I've never had a workout that I you know, regret it. But you actually can. You, can um, you, you, you lose weight in the kitchen, you get fit in the gym. Mm. So you can actually lose weight by not going to the gym. But the, the toning and the tightening of the body, you're not going to have that. Gotcha. You're going to look like, have you ever seen somebody that lost a lot of weight and they look like kind of sickly? Mm-hmm. Like they have that, yeah, <laughs> my mom yeah. would call it the bobblehead syndrome. Absolutely. When I first started losing weight, I had the bobblehead syndrome. My mom was like, you look like a bobblehead. And it was because <laughs> my, when I was in the gym, all I was doing was like straight cardio walking mm. and I wasn't tightening and toning. And so I didn't look fit. So you lose weight, you know, in the uh, kitchen, but you you get fit in the gym. Mm. So yeah, you can definitely just do a straight diet only. Oh well, I'm from sure. uh, we we call that look the um, the drug habit. Yeah, you, know what I'm you look like you got yeah. like, yeah, you okay? You too. sick, man? Yeah. Everything that, all right that with one you? Too. That one too. <laughs> so tell me, because you have to have a strong why. It's not you wake up. You know what? I think I'm gonna lose this weight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. You, I believe you have to have a strong why for anything you do. Um, so what was your why? Man, I had two whys. Uh, one was greater than the other. First, my first why was my kids. Um, th- they kept me going through the journey, but even before the kids, it was my sister. Um, I had a 34, I have a 34 year old sister. Uh, her name's Nikki. And she passed away five years ago, January 2nd, made five years. And she died from something called an aortic dissection. Mm. So basically, that vessel that leads to the heart, it bursts um, instantly. It's like an aneurysm of the heart vessel. It's very um, common, it, mostly in uh, white, older males. Mm. 
So for her to be 34 years old and African-American and have this um, was not very common. But what is common among um, um, African-American women is heart disease. Mm -hmm. And high blood pressure is one of the pre-existing conditions that she had that caused her death. Mm -hmm. So um, finding out that she died, medical examiner said she died between 8 and 20 seconds. And so the day that she died, we had no idea what her cause of death was. We just knew that she had died. They told us to get to the hospital. We get to the hospital. I go into the room. She's in there. She just looked like she's asleep. So we still have no clue how she died. There's a mechanic working on her car. He tells us um, the next day that he asked her to go get the part. He's working on the car at her house. He looks around. She's on the ground shaking. That was it. Neighbor was across the street, tried to do CPR. They called 911, but she uh, was already gone. So we're thinking maybe she had a seizure, maybe she had, you know, a stroke. What, what could have happened? Come to find out eight weeks later that the medical examiner said that um, the shaking was because she was losing oxygen from the brain because that it literally constricted the oxygen from her brain. Mm. So that was what was causing her shaking. So just imagine for eight weeks, we're, we have no idea her cause of death. We're asking her friends, was she doing anything different? Did y'all see any signs? Nope. Everybody was like, no, she seemed right. fine. Um, an hour before her death, she had just got off the phone with my mom. She had three children. She was supposed to go pick them up from their dad's house. It was just a normal, you know, a Christmas break uh, for her. And so when we got that call, the medical examiner called my mom eight weeks later. My mom called me um, on three-way because she was like, you know, he's using these terms. I'm not sure. So I'm writing down everything he's saying. I'm writing down everything about an aortic dissection. And he says that they, do, they did a toxicology. They did all of that stuff. No, nothing came back in her system. It was literally because of uh, her blood pressure had got so high that it started restricting that vessel. They, um, and that aorta just literally burst. And then she bled out. So um, the day after her death, or the day, yes, the day after her death, I had a panic attack, and I ended up having to go to the hospital again and uh, get treatment, and they told me to get on the scale, and when I got on the scale, I read 302 pounds. Wow. Didn't have a clue. I was 27. Mm. Didn't have a clue that I had gotten that big. I knew I was, like, upper 280s, and I think that was the last time I had weighed myself, but that, like, seeing a three in front of that, insane, and I only had two kids at the time. Mm. That was my first why. And then as the journey began and when after Nikki's death and I started to work out, my kids became my second wife. And now I have four kids. And so each time I would go to the gym five days a week, every one of my, all four of my kids would be one of my, my reasons that day. And then that last day I became my last reason. So that Friday gym workout would be for me. Wow. So th those, that's how they kind of incorporated. But in the beginning, it, I couldn't, for some reason, I could not seem to make the connection between my kids and my health. It was like, I knew I needed to, but for some reason they weren't big enough for me. Right. You know, wh what became big enough for me was my life and seeing the impact that my sister's death had on me, her three kids, my, the rest of my siblings, my parents, you know, I, I was like, I don't ever want anybody to experience this ever. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that became like the plug almost. And right. that's when the, the, the light bulb hit and I was like, I gotta do something. Wow. So that's the start. Yeah, you know, um, and it, maybe you can help me out with yeah. it. I'm trying to be able to explain a why. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, so some people say, yo, I need to go out and be successful for my kids. Mm -hmm. But we still make lazy decisions right. where we want to go out and provide, but we just, we just don't want to, right? right? right. So I don't know if that, at that point your kids aren't as important, right? right. But I'm trying to understand, because I don't think you can force something to click yep, you can. right so yeah. like can you explain to me that process for somebody who they're trying to find that burning desire right. they just can't for me i think the preparation in all of this was prayer because i was trying to force 
the connection. I was trying to make my kids be my reason. I was putting up sticky notes all around with their names on it. And I was putting purposes and goals and all that kind of stuff. So I began to pray and I'm like, okay, God, I need you to help me show me what my reason behind. So you have to have a real purpose. And I think that that purpose, you, you don't go out and find that purpose, that purpose comes to you. And once that purpose is, is drawn to you, then you go forth and then you move. I was trying to make my kids and my husband and you know all this other stuff be my purpose and it, that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. And so when my sister died, I got to a point to where I started telling people that her death saved my life. Well, that was because that was supposed to be my purpose. My purpose was supposed to be to go out and share this story. And the moment that she died and I found out her cause of death, I mean, I could be in the grocery store to somebody talking and we would get on a conversation about heart disease or something and I was just start talking about Nikki. Yeah. That became my purpose. I think you can't force it, but a lot of it came from prayer. Just being like, God, show me what that is. Asking I don't think that he necessarily was going to tell me, okay, well, your sister's going to die and now that's going to be your purpose. But it was like in all of that, mm -hmm. I found what it was that I was called to do. So I, I do believe that you have to seek it and you have to search for it. You have to do a little bit of self, um, self searching and find it. And, and also I think it's timing too. I think the right timing, a lot of times we go out and we want to start a business or we want to start a company. And um, my husband, he kind of does uh, business coaching with some some new entrepreneurs in the city. And the first thing he'll ask them is, so what, what, what do you want your business to do? I don't know. I just want to start a business. Right. It's like, for what? Up. Yeah, for what? <laughs> like, find your purpose, find your why. It takes some time. And it, it does take a lot of self-discovery. Like, why was I put on this earth? And I just realized I, it took me a while. And this is for all moms out there. You love your kids. You, you really do. They're the best thing that could have ever happened to you. I know you're supposed to say all that good stuff. But at one point, I started feeling guilty because they weren't my why. But I realized that that was okay. It's okay right. that your kids are not your sun and your moon and, and your stars. Like, it's totally okay because they're a part of your uh, your purpose. They're a part of why you exist, but they're not the only reason why you exist. There's right. something bigger, you know, and I, for some reason, I have a mom that had seven children and she was a stay-at-home mom. I thought that I had to follow their path. Mm. I had to, you know, stay at home with them. And I did it for seven years and I was miserable. You know, I, I always tell people, I'm looking at this newborn baby, that newborn baby looking at me, and I'm just like, what are we going to do today? Because I was completely <laughs> miserable. Right. So your kids don't have to be your everything. Mm -hmm. You know, they're a part of your everything, but if you take a little bit of you time and you start to do a little self-discovery, you'll find out what you were called to do. Wow. You'll find out what you're good at. You'll find out what you're passionate about, and then you take whatever it is that you're passionate about, and then you make that your why. Wow. So when you got on your first, when you started the journey, you had two kids. Yeah. You know how I had four. I have four. I had twins, so yeah. Oh, so yeah. you said twins. I had twins. Yeah. yeah you know, I was like, there's a pattern. The more weight you lose, the more babies y'all have. Yeah, Is that I, right, I, Dave? I, 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 I heard that. I heard that. And I'm telling people, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't, you don't know what you're talking about. I lost 90 pounds in the middle of my journey. Right. pregnant twins. God damn it. So how was that being pregnant and still on your weight loss journey? What's Man. that like? I totally fell off the weight loss journey. It wasn't really? a journey no more once those bad boys, when I got pregnant with them, because that was a rough pregnancy. Yeah. 14 weeks in, I was on bed rest. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I was pushing it. I was still trying to drive and do I all know, this I thought your kids were one year apart. They're twins. Wow. No, they're twins. Yeah, no, but we, they, I had two. Well, the last two, obviously. I had two, two at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the same time. Wow. So, uh, Kyron and Devin are now two, but when I had them, um, I, was, I had lost 90 pounds. I was, like, doing really well. Bam, I get pregnant. And then before we find out they're twins, I'm like, okay, I could do this. You know, I could do this one baby thing. And then I found out they're two. I'm like, no, nah, I don't know if I could do this. And I was stressed the whole pregnancy because all I kept thinking about was weight gain, weight gain, weight gain. 
And that's the worst thing for. Oh, pregnancy. so you were thinking if there was one child that you could still work I out, but still if it's two, out. If it's you need two, to. It's going to be more difficult. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this. Why though? Why is it more difficult? I don't understand. I'm trying. You, you don't understand why two is more difficult than one? Yeah, I, no, I'm talking about like during the process. Have you ever seen a pregnant person, one baby, I mean, and then somebody walks up to them and be like, are you pregnant with two? I was that pregnant person. People always ask, oh, you look like you're carrying twins. I'm like, fool, I am carrying twins. Right. I looked like I was carrying but twins. But some people don't be carrying twins. And, and it's look, just. You see what I'm saying? But could just imagine if you really carrying two right. of them bad boys. And not only that, I went full term with them. So they were born. Most twins don't make it to like past 32, 34 weeks. Right. I went a total of what? I think I went 38 and a half, almost 39 weeks. Mm -hmm. And they were almost both six pounds a piece. I was basically carrying almost 12 pounds, baby. Wow. Yeah. And so I was worried. I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to lose this weight. And then around 14 weeks when I was having a hard time breathing and I was having um, one time I, I was about to I had to call the ambulance because I was driving. And I just could not catch my breath. And wow. he got there before, you know, help got there. And David was there and my mom was on her way to, you know, come to me. He had to drive my car home because I could not breathe. Wow. So once I realized that if I can't breathe just walking from one room to the other, there's nowhere in the world I'm going to exercise. Wow. So I just, I got real discouraged about it. And then a lot of people don't understand that the stressful part of having a baby is right after you have the baby. Those wow. first, like, uh, I would say, the day after to the first six months are the most stressful times of your life. It's called postpartum. Postpartum. My friends was to my my boy was telling me said women get real different. That's a real nice way to put it. That's a real sweet. I, I want to thank that friend right. for not putting us on blast because that's a real nice way to real put it. Real different. It's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. It's, what it's, is it? Can you explain it? Is so postpartum depression is a different type of depression. It's not a clinical depression that you would get diagnosed with when you go to the doctor, and which I was diagnosed with, and I was on medication for four years for uh, clinical depression and generalized anxiety disorder. Wow. So yeah, I was on, um, and they, I was on the highest dosage of medication. Four years, the first time? The, uh, four, I was before on it after twins. two years before the twins, and then uh, about a year and a half after the twins, gotcha. or maybe three years before the twins. And when I got pregnant with the twins, the doctor wanted to try to get lower my dosage so that it wouldn't interfere with my pregnancy. And so I tried to cut the pill in half, and I, I was pretty successful, but I was so scared to harm my babies. So I pretty much went to 10 milligrams and the highest dosage they had for the medicine I was on was 40. Mm. So I decreased all the way to 10 and he was like, well, Delin, if you could try to not be on the medication, you know, I understand if you can't do it. So I, I really did try. My highs and lows were too much. So I stayed on it during most of my pregnancy. Um, but that's something that I think anybody would have to consult their doctor about. But after the babies were born, um, I really wanted to get off of the medication. Completely. Is it like something like unexplainable? Like you don't know why you feel the way you yeah, feel or you, what? You, um, when you have it for so long as I did, you can kind of start to notice triggers and patterns that are causing the depressive, depressive states. So what it is is that you have extreme highs or extreme lows. Mostly extreme lows. Um, you start to get into a state of, that nothing matters. Nothing feels good. Even the most exciting news, you just feel like blah about it. Um, you don't have any hope for the future. You, you feel very hopeless. You also experience a lot of physical pain, even if you're not in pain. So you can't really wow. describe it. You can go to the doctor and you could be like, I feel like I, I have aches all over my body. I have knots all over my body. They check you out. There's nothing really wrong with you. Wow. But it causes a physical pain. It got so bad to the point when I had my daughter, um, she's 10 now, but when she was like two or three, uh, David used to work. Um, at our apartment complex where we live, and he would have to come home during his lunch break and take care of her because I couldn't get out the bed. Wow. 
I was like that bad off. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. But I was also also a functional depressed person. So I knew how to, in front of people, I could kind of like perk up a little bit. But then the moment they were gone, I would actually sink lower because it takes so much energy to be like this fake happy person. Sometimes I couldn't. Sometimes around my family, I couldn't hide it and they knew. Um, you cry uncontrollably for no reason. Wow. You can't explain it. You just, um, a lot of people mistake it for you being rude, but you're just in pain. Like you're in a just this, this state of discomfort at all times. And so that's what a lot of uh, pregnant women or postpartum pregnant women go through right. after the, a baby. But I experienced that for like five, six years. No, probably seven years without having a baby. Right. But those are, I, I remember one time, my daughter, my 10 year old was a, a, a newborn and I was holding her and I, my thoughts were so bad. And I just feel like God kept me, kept me because my thoughts had gotten to such a bad place. I was looking at this baby and I wanted to throw her. Wow. I was just in so much pain. And I, thank you God, I called my mom and I told her, I was like, mom, I just, I don't know what's wrong. I and I was crying. She was like, I'm on my way. She stopped everything she was doing and she got there and she took the baby and she was like, go lay down, go rest. And um, a new moms, you're sleep deprived. Your body has just gone through like a, a trauma, basically, is wow. how my doctor explained it. Um, and especially for moms who have other children, you're taking care of these other kids and their priorities and their needs. And then you got this newborn baby. Um, some some new moms are not able to breastfeed. You know, I, I was one of those that did, wasn't able to like have that, that experience. A lot of times you're dealing with judgments from how you're doing things. You need to do things this way. Your baby needs to go to sleep at this time. I mean... Anybody who doesn't get sleep is cranky and grouchy already, but just imagine not getting sleep, but taking care of another person wow. while you're not getting sleep. You are exhausted. I mean, there were times where I was like seeing stars feeding the baby because I'm just exhausted. And thank God I had a husband that, or have a husband that understands that I needed that help. And with the twins, it was no doubt that we were both gonna get a baby. So he had a bassinet on one side of the bed, I had one on right. the other side of the bed. But dealing with that depression after the pregnancy, Worst experience ever. I probably gained more weight after the pregnancy than I did during my pregnancy. Wow. Yeah, during my pregnancy, I only gained like uh, 35 pounds with the twins, and I think I gained maybe 45, 50 uh, after they were born in the first mm. six months. Because all I did was take care of them, sit down, eat. Um, late at night, I was laying in the bed eating. If, if I was feeding them, go to bed. Just do that same routine, you know, with, with two babies all day long. It was like, and everybody's telling you what to do. People that have never even had multiples, you need to put them on the same schedule. You need to do this, you need to do that. It just got overwhelming, wow. you know? And that first 30 days, your family and your friends are all excited to help you. They're bringing food, they, they were amazing, but they gotta go back to real life. So after those 30 days, it was just me, the babies, and you know, Dave. And then he had to start going back to real life. He had to start going to his DJ events and doing the work that he does, you know, for a living. So it was just me and the baby. And then once the babies, uh, the, the, I get the twins under control, it would be three o'clock, it's time to go pick up the other two kids from school. And then on top of that, I have a child with autism too. So it's like, I'm dealing with his needs. I'm dealing with their needs. I'm not dealing with none of my needs whatsoever. So this, that depression is, it's very real. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's really real. So go, going through all that mentally, well, let me ask you, do you still, maybe the kids aren't as small, but do you still struggle with some of these mental? Oh man, absolutely. Um, I tell people all the time, fitness did not cure that at all. Mm -hmm. It just became a, a better tool to manage it. Just like f food was my tool to manage it. Fitness is not my tool. I still deal with depression every day. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very hard some, some days to get out of bed. 
every day. I'm very transparent because I don't want people to think that the the, the, the climb to get to where I'm at was just like right, this. Right, right, absolutely. Oh, every day. I have to, uh, some days I have to text my husband and say, just pray for me. He knows exactly what that means because he knows that I'm going through a, a moment. But what I've learned to do is, is that I've, I've learned to not let it overtake me. Mm -hmm. And I know, I used to hate this saying, this too shall pass. I know it'll pass. Mm -hmm. I know that these feelings won't last. I know it won't stay there. Oh, man, every day. Wow. Every day I still deal wow. with it. I've just learned how to push past it. I've learned how to pray through it. I've learned how to talk about it. I don't hold my feelings inside. I don't, um, you know, I learned to spend time with myself. And he knows, my husband knows that when I get like that or if I get into those, those mental modes, give me some time. Yeah. And so um, I also have lots of help with my babies. And a lot of people don't realize this. We think that our family and friends are there to help us. They are, but sometimes you gotta pay for help. Like mm -hmm. good help, you gotta pay for it. <laughs> and I got sure. nannies on call everywhere. I've right. got three different people that are in their early 20s and these girls I can call and they know how I like my house ran, they know how I like my kids taken care right. of. And I can call them and say, hey, you available? Yeah, I got you, you know, and I pay them. And I, we, you gotta pay them good, you know? Yeah. Like this is four kids. I, th th God knows I love my kids, but right. these are bad little kids. Right, you know, right. so I'm like, I gotta pay good for somebody to watch my kids. But yes, I get those breaks. I take those t that time for myself. And so when I get those moments where the depression kind of um, causes me to sink, there are times I have to go get a hotel by myself for a day, mm. you know, um, and just having understanding people in your life that help you and that say, you know what, it's okay. You know, it, it's okay. And then what I typically do is, is um, I dust myself off, I get up, I have my little moment, and then I just keep it moving. Wow. Yeah. You're so strong. Like you are a strong. Man, I don't know how human else to being. Be. Not don't. even a strong woman. Like you yeah, are. Yeah, I don't know how else to be. Person. I'm so grateful for my. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. 
NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I used to think my parents were psycho, but I'm so glad that I had them in my life because uh, they taught me so much about endurance and they taught me so much about perseverance. They've experienced so much loss. You know, they lost two children. Uh, and I tell myself all the time, if mommy can go what she's go, go through what she's going through, I can I can deal with it. So having people that you can look up to in your life as your motivators, they don't always have to be your parents because everybody does is, has not been blessed like that. But find people in your life that you can look at and say, you know, they they've gone through it. I can yeah. do it. So. I, th I think that's maybe why people are so attracted to you because you've obviously accomplished um, like a dream for a large percentage right, of women. Right, right. But you're still transparent, and you don't try to hide the fact, like, "Yo, I go through stuff too." Yeah. Like, so in, in in that transparency, I think you're going to continue to help a whole lot of women. So, so tell us what you got going on in terms of um, being able to share what you've done with other people. Man, so the idea was never to inspire people. It was always I I wanted to use my Instagram page as a place for me to um, kind of like a journal. And so like a, a place for me to document, you know, my workouts and say, I went today, I went, you know, and along the way, it was just like 300 followers. And it was like, okay, girl, you can do it. You got this. And sometimes you didn't get a response at all, but I just was pushing myself. And then it went to, okay, a thousand people are, are, are watching. Okay. Now I'm at 18,000 people are, are, are checking this thing out. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm motivating people along the way. I was getting DMs and messages 
So I started doing, um, I was getting the same questions. How did you do it? Yeah. What's the journey like? What was the hardest part of the journey? Um, so I decided to start a YouTube channel and it was just strictly to answer those questions. Mm -hmm. Then once the YouTube took off and I got like, I, I, I uh, shared the video and then within a week, I think my first video had like 7,000 views and I'm like, okay, people really are checking the story out. Mm -hmm. So then I decided to figure out a way to, um, I was like, I'm getting burnt out just sharing this stuff for free. Cause one, I got to pay for a videographer oh, to do sure. these videos. I yeah. got to pay somebody to, you know, make sure the makeup on point. He got to edit these videos. Cause I don't have time with all this stuff I got going on. I got a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to figure out how to monetize this thing. Mm -hmm. How can I make this thing be a blessing to other people, but at the same time, bless my house. Right. So I decided to, um, to start a company called Be Her Now. And so basically be her now it's b-e-e -E. it's this concept of like the queen bee and i was doing some research um, about a queen bee and um, one of the things that i realized about the queen bee a lot of people think queen bees are like bossy they think about beyonce they think about little kim they mm -hmm. think that they like the, the boss bee you know what mm -hmm. i mean and so i started doing research about it and i realized that queen bees are not necessarily bossy they're motherly they have a very uh, motherly instinct they are the mother of the hive um, and I started looking into their they are responsible, they're unique, they're driven, and they're focused. And I started putting pieces together as to why they are. And so that was the kind of the concept that I wanted women to be able to be more than just boss bees in the world, you know. But I wanted them to be um, like take that own that mother figure, own, even yeah. if you don't have children, but you can own that ability because I think as women we all have that motherly instinct in us yeah. to be able to nurture and to care for people. And so that's where the concept of be her now came from, and it's just encouraging women to be who they were created to be now. So we do that through different. Um, avenues we have a I have an eight-week training program online mm -hmm. program and the reason why I, I did that was because when I started with my trainer um, in 2017 after the, the boys were born they were like six months when I started the first eight weeks on his program I think I lost like 20 pounds wow. and then the next I did another eight weeks I did three sets of eight weeks with him and I was down 60 pounds mm. so I'm like okay I did not I never met with the trainer but I did everything he told me to do I ate like he told me to do and as long as I stayed focused and did exactly what he said I lost the weight right. so I decided to do that so we have an eight-week training program we also have meal prep um, mm. online I do something called be her now fit camp so I do that twice um, a week. I do that Mondays and Wednesdays, 5 a.m. or 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. So p the women can come, or men too, but they can come and they can mm -hmm. work out with me. And I just show them some of the stuff that I learned. I show them some techniques. We t and, and not only do we work out, but we in the beginning of our workout, we share. Mm -hmm. So we talk for like maybe five minutes and, and one, one session can be about um, expectations. Right. We talk about looking on Instagram and you can see a, some women do workout videos and they smiling in the videos. And you're like, no, that vi that hurts. That workout really does hurt. Why are you cheesing so hard in right, the video? Right. So we talk about expectations and setting realistic goals, little things like that. And it's just, like I said, encouraging women to be who they were created to be now. So we've got merchandise online. We've got, um, I'm rocking my Be Her Now backpack today. Mm -hmm. We've got phone cases. Just It's just a constant reminder. I even went and got my little Be Her Now right here. Just a mm -hmm. reminder. And my mom hates it. She's like, why you got to be a coloring book? Why you <laughs> couldn't get a necklace and I was like because I wanted it on my wrist but right, it's just right. a reminder to be who God created me me to be right now wow so some of the women that you uh you help and encourage yeah what are the central themes that you see that they're all dealing with for the most part Ooh, number one hopelessness mm -hmm. just feeling like just feeling hopeless just feeling like I have no help that's why I started be her now because I didn't have anybody in my corner that I felt like understood where I was coming from. Everybody feels so hopeless. Everybody feels like this is their last straw. They feel like they've tried everything else. 
Um, and it doesn't matter if they need to lose 20 pounds. I've got a client that needs to lose about 200 pounds. She's 407 pounds. Mm. And um, she saw me on TV from the show called Great Day Houston in Houston. And she called me up and she, she uh, we, I, I have an online consultation, a free consultation. So she called me for her 30 minute consult. And I'm asking her, you know, how'd you hear about me? How'd you hear? She was like, I'm watching you on Great Day Houston. And I felt so much hope. Mm. Like I felt like I, I, this girl can do this. I can do this. And she got this going on, that going on. I can do this. And then I got another call from another lady, 375 pounds, watch the same show. I'm ready, I'm ready. Like they just get this sense of, um, there's a scripture that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think that when people feel hopeless, you begin to kind of feel physically sick. Like you feel like I, I, there, I don't have an option. And so I think the, the, the common theme for so many women, they feel like, I can't do this. That's too big of a, like yeah. 145, 145 pounds. Or like you said in the beginning, like just trying to stay away from pasta seems, you know, like yeah. impossible for some people. I think hopelessness is the biggest thing. And I love giving people that feeling of hope. Yeah. Cause I'm like, they're like, can I do this? Yeah, you can do this. I, right. I got you. So yeah, I think that that's the biggest, the biggest uh, hurdle. Wow. Yeah. So do you, do you feel pressure to continue to go on your journey because you got so many eyes on you now, right? Yeah. And if you do feel that pressure, um, yeah, well, first off, do you feel pressure to continue? Yeah, but it's a good pressure. Mm. It's accountability. Right. I'm really big on accountability. I can't do it by myself. So mm. I need all 18,000 of those eyes <laughs> plugged on me, checking me, making sure that I'm good. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, it's a good pressure though. I don't feel, um, I don't feel it in a negative way. Like if I fall off the wagon or if I gain weight, they're gonna be like, oh, she couldn't do it. Cause right. I, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna gain a couple pounds. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just life. You know, right. you, you start, you stop. I'm not always motivated to go to the gym. I, I don't always like to. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have some ups and downs and I'm prepared for them. Right. So yeah, it's a good uh, pressure. So, you know, you in magazines and yeah. you know, the radio shows and you know, TV shows, things of that nature, um, because you're giving people so much hope, yeah. right? So even if you become average, I'm talking about like you, you just you get to a comfortable place where maybe not going up to where you were, but right, right, right. you get to a comfortable place where you're comfortable. Would that be enough for you, or do you feel like you have to continue to like put your story out there to provide more hope? It's never enough. I've always been that person. So when I gained the weight and I lost who that that person was, I didn't know that person for seven eight years because I never was an overweight person. I've always been extremely driven. Um, as a child, my goals were like so way higher. People were like, oh, that's good. I'm glad you want to be a lawyer. And I'm yeah. glad you want to do that. Like it, I've always had like these crazy aspirations, crazy dreams, you know, I, um, and I think even now as an adult, I still have that. I still have these crazy dreams, crazy goals, and um, nothing is ever enough for me. I'm, I'm, I'm never happy. I'm, I mean, I'm happy, but I'm never satisfied, should yeah. I say. I'm never just good, like, oh, I'm doing great. And, mm. I, and I think that that's what keeps me driven. That's what keeps me going. Um, people can clap and tell me how great I'm doing and how awesome. And, oh, girl, I've actually had friends and family, like, oh, you made it. And I'm like, bruh, I yeah. don't believe I've made it until I don't have to go back to work on Monday right. and clock in and go to my job. Like, and even then, I'm trying to figure out what's the next step. Like, I'm always pushing myself for, for something greater because not everybody knows who I am. Not everybody has heard my story. And I, I can't stop until I feel like enough people have heard my story. Not that I'm just this great, amazing person, but I feel like we are blessed to be a blessing. We have this story, like we overcome. And I'm gonna keep overcoming by sharing my testimony, by mm -hmm. talking. And so that's, that's kind of how um, I look at it. I gotta keep talking about it because the only way I'll stay 
uh, present in this moment and, and, and going to the gym and moving is if I keep talking about right, it. Right. The moment I stop talking about it and I get comfortable and I get complacent, I, I believe the weight's going to creep back up. Because um, wow. I'm going to always be a food addict. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna always want to cook with you. You're still a foodie. Oh man, am I? We were just talking about what we eating in the ATO. <laughs> like, that's what we looking forward to. We got another right. interview after this. What, what are we eating in between right. the interviews? Where are we going? Yes, God, wow. I love food. Because I mean, I'm from the South, South. So right, like, we right. eat with food. You know, everybody excited. I'm telling my mama about some good going. Girl, let's go out to eat and talk mm. about it. I'm like, no, mama, no. <laughs> so yeah, like no, I'm a foodie at heart for sure. So so what is your regimen? What is your what is your plan? look like so according to page 61 Talk i've been to ready us. to just pull this damn boy out and dust it out it says right hold on now in people magazine yeah. you gotta you gotta oh, open yeah, it right. up yeah just in let them people know magazine, what's happening the january 14th edition of people magazine on page 61 now i have a list of some things that i eat here but mm-hmm. like I, I try to get at least a half gallon of water a lot of people walk around with this big gallon. That's so unrealistic for me. I'm not the girl walking around mm. peeing all day. I'm not, that's just not me. <laughs> but for breakfast, I'll do like a cup of oatmeal, um, a teaspoon of brown sugar. And instead of using um, milk to, to kind of get the, that creaminess, I'll use Premier Protein. It's a mm. protein shake. So I'll just add that to it. And then um, for snack, I'll have some more of the protein with some grapes. For lunch, I'll do a bell pepper stuff with grilled chicken, corn, black beans, and salsa. For a snack, I'll have a cheese stick. And then for dinner, ground turkey spaghetti um, with spaghetti sauce. And instead of regular noodles, I'll, I'll do zucchini noodles. Gotcha. So it's not the same. It's not, but it, it's not but but let me tell you something. I, I love eat. pasta. I eat. A lot of people are like, can you eat? I eat. Yeah. I have to because I'm I live such a hectic, busy life. I eat like five times a day. Mm. So I'm I'm never starving myself. I'm never without. I have snacks in my bag. I got water in my bag. I always have some type of because if you don't uh, plan, you'll fail. Yeah, yeah, and you'll just sure. grab the nearest junk. So yeah, I eat. It, it's not the same. I know. I know. But it's, it's never been the same. But I still I eat like it. I still eat pasta though. They still eat pasta. Oh, okay. For sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> These pasta thighs. Yeah. No, for sure. But when I do eat it, I only eat it like once a week. Mm-hmm. So I let Sunday. I eat one big meal on Sundays because that's like our family day on Sunday. So I'll eat whatever is that big meal my mama prepare. If it's spaghetti or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I'll eat that one big meal. So yeah, I, for sure. That's I dope. So you have you have like a balance. You know, because some people are like super strict. But it doesn't, it seems like you have the discipline, yeah. but you're not about to starve yourself. Let me tell you something about the super strict people. The super strict people are the ones that binge eat when nobody's looking. Mm. I, I, I promise you, because nobody can go without cravings. Mm. The, our body naturally, once you have ingested some of the sugars and the things that we have in our palate and our diet, our bodies naturally want that. And so you can curb it by doing different things and eating different things. But I guarantee you, most of the time, people that um, who com- like profess to be these super strict eaters and you never see them have a cheat meal, you never see mm. them like indulge in any of their, their favorites. They're the ones that are binge eating when, when the cameras are off and Instagram. Wow. I'm telling you. And the number one reason is because you got to keep this facade up and you got to keep this healthy regimen up. But nobody eats like that mm-hmm. 100% of the time. I would say 90% you can do it, but 100 no. <laughs> no. Gotcha. Okay. No. Well, uh, you know what? I'm going to go have some pasta after this. It's okay. And then it's okay. have a salad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Balance. You know what I'm saying? Balance. balance. A little but salad all, on the all side. All I'm asking you know? is that you recommend a couple of good spots for me because I can't leave ATL without eating good. I got you. Just, I got you. Okay. Just a couple okay. good spots. I want a spot that's going to make me want to nap afterwards. 
Okay. 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 I, I got a couple. I might walk around the airport tonight <laughs> a couple times, but I want a good spot that's gonna make me want a good nap. Gotcha. Gotcha. Something tells me you know a couple of. Them. I know a few. I know yeah. a few because <laughs> I. But but I am a, I'm I am also a creature of habit. Yeah. So I like what I like. So when I go to Copeland's, I get the same thing and every the, time. What do you eat there? Oh, the chicken parmesan. Ooh. That thing's crazy. Ooh. Yeah. I think you were a fatty in another life. Oh man, I'm actually um, I started putting on weight, and I'm starting to go to the gym now yeah. because I mean it it was I think my metabolism because I used to be able to just eat whatever I want but age, and I'm good. You notice that the older we get, our metabolism starts to slow yeah. down a little bit and it sits all right here. That yeah. pasta sitting all right. Oh, there. it's sitting, it's, it's sitting. Really but I'm getting better. I'm not eating as much pasta. Yeah. At least I'm conscious of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm conscious of well, it. Well, that is kind of step one is the it's being conscious. Step two is do something about it. Right. You know, because I, I was conscious for a long time. Right. <laughs> I knew I was fluffy for a long right, time. Right, right. But doing something about it, I think, is, I, is what's coming. Every now and again, I make the decision, well, do I get the pasta or do I get the, you know what? I'm just not going to get the pasta. And I celebrate myself. And, I've been, I, and I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a desserty. I'm a desserty. Oh, okay? I got a sweet tooth out of this world. I love oh, dessert. Oh, man. I got a, a crazy but sweet tooth. For the last maybe two months, I haven't picked up a dessert. What's I'm your proud favorite of dessert? Cheesecake. Oh, peach cobbler. Oh, cheese, cheesecake or strawberry shortcake. Or, or a peach cobbler, or if I just find something that's just exclusive. Our Thomas has this, um, well, I don't think they have it anymore. It was a mango pie. See, no. Can we switch? We got to talk about something different, because, you know. Mango, mango <laughs> is fruit. I don't want nothing that got fruit attached to it. No, peach what? cobbler is too. But peach cobbler, oh, man, a warm peach cobbler with some vanilla, bluebell vanilla ice cream. See, I'm not heavy, I'm not heavy chocolate. I like the fruit. Ooh. Strawberry shortcake, all that. I like cheesecake. Yeah, I'm into cheesecake. cheesecake. Every different yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah. Go to Cheesecake Factory and look at that long mm -hmm. cheesecake. You go in the glass and look yeah, at what's going on. Yeah, just be lusting over cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry for everybody who's watching this trying to be inspired. <laughs> I'm to telling lose you, weight. balance. Okay. Balance, balance. balance. Yes. I got two questions for you. Uh, for sure. Two more. Um, one, I like to make predictions. Yeah. Uh, I just want to know where you're going, where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years, just so we can look back at this video and say, wow, Dell said she was gonna do that five years ago and look at her, she's doing it. So um, what can you say right now that you believe you're gonna be doing five to 10 years? I want to be taking this thing globally. I already have plans to go. Um, so I, I used to do mission trips to Brazil. Mm. So I kind of want to take this. I, I'm a worship leader, right? So I used to think that leading worship was going to be the avenue or the vehicle which I would share my story of depression, anxiety, and how I was you know, healed from all of that. And then one day when I was doing this, all of these interviews and stuff, it hit me. I was like, this is a bigger platform because mm -hmm. everybody's not going to go to church. Everybody's not going to listen to a sermon. Everybody's not going to sit through a worship service. But to be able to share my story like this and it's, it's so easy to do because it's mine mm -hmm. and, and it's real and it's authentic. And so I can just, it's like a conversation. I'm just talking yeah. about my life. And so who doesn't like talking about yeah. themselves anyway? Oh, you know sure. what I'm saying? So it's like, I can see myself in five to 10 years just doing this, just taking this thing and just continually sharing my story. Um, again, fitness and weight loss is just the vehicle that I chose to, to go in and, and to use it. And so um, on my website and even on my Instagram, it's, a, it's about fitness, faith, fashion, and family. Mm -hmm. So using all of those avenues 
to inspire people and not just women but just inspire people in general so I can definitely see myself just staying on this course but using those different avenues you know fashion um, showing women how to be modest and how to dress for your body type yeah. you know and faith and using my faith to inspire people and family you know talking about my kids talking about the ups and downs of marriage the ups and downs of parenting the real everything is real it's like the real side of parenting the real side of right, it all right. so um, I, that's what I can see myself doing in the next five to ten years staying on this this journey, but using those different avenues to kind of share my story. Gotcha. Um, so lastly, there yeah. is somebody that's watching this right now uh -huh. that they've been on the journey. Yeah. I mean, they've tried it, failed, tried it, failed. Yeah. They, they've been inspired, then they uninspired. Yeah. What can you tell that person right now that's watching it who's, they've just been through this. They, they, this ain't their first rodeo. Yeah. Um, this is probably like my 15,000th rodeo <laughs> with this process. <laughs> I will say that motivation does not last yeah. and that's okay because right now you're watching this and you're feeling like I'm motivated. She's got me motivated. She's got me inspired. When the motivation fails, what needs to kick in is discipline. Discipline is doing what you need to do when you don't want to do it. And so those days that you don't feel like getting to the gym, those days you don't feel like meal prepping, those days you don't feel like taking care of those kids, do it anyway. Be her now. Just do it right now. Don't tell yourself, I'm going to do it, I'm going to get up. No, just get up and go do it right now because you're not going to always feel motivated. Right. And, but you'll never regret the decision to do it. You'll never regret. I've, I know, we, you know, we joked and talked about working out, but I've never had a workout that after I finished, I was mad about doing it. Mm. I may not have liked it the whole way through. Even with my trainer, we, he and I were talking just yesterday, and I told him, I was like, some, one of my friends was like, you don't get excited when you finish working out with him? I was like, no. Every time me and him finish working out, I walk out, and I don't even say bye. <laughs> and he doesn't, he don't get mad or nothing. He'll be like, bye, Dale, I'll see you tomorrow. Right, and I'm right. just like, I don't, I don't say bye to him or nothing. I just walk mm. out. But I still don't regret the workout. So just do it. You, you, and you will love yourself because of it um there were so many times on my journey i thought that if i made everybody else happy if i cooked a certain way if i did this for my husband a certain way if i did this for my kids i would be happy i did not find happiness until i started taking care of myself mm. because that's real fulfillment and I could not stick to nothing. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't finish college. I couldn't finish, you know, a plan, a workout. I just felt like a failure. Like, why, why can't I stick to anything? Uh -huh. And the moment I stuck to this, I felt like a better person because I feel like I can do this. Mm -hmm. And when you get the weight under control, it's, just, it's a small portion of your life. But if you can get that under control, something in your brain clicks and you're like, I could do pretty much anything. Mm. I went back to school. I'm a personal trainer now. I wow. got my certification to be a personal trainer. I just, and my trainer was like, why do you want to do this again? I was like, not so that I could train other people, but I wanted to learn more about the body. I wanted to learn more about what I was doing for myself. Mm. So I believe that even if you're sitting here and you're watching it and you're thinking to yourself, I can't do that. That's, that's too much. Or you're watching and you're going, I'm super motivated. I'm excited. Mm. Okay, now where do I start? Yeah. Just start. Yeah. Just do it. Dis kick in that discipline and keep going. Mm. And that moment you feel like you're going to stop, nope, tell yourself, I've stopped too many times. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And um, I mean, don't yeah. wait for an aha moment. Just mm -hmm. do it. And Just I guess it. they can start by uh, joining your program. Yeah. So close it out by telling everybody yeah. what you do, who you are, how they can find you. So you can find me at BeHerNow. That's B-E-E-HerNow.com. And you go online and you can sign up for an eight-week training program. You can get a free consultation, a 30-minute consultation with me. If you just want to talk it out and just figure out what's your next goals, or what are your next goals, or what's your next plan, you can do that online as well. You can also reach me at Instagram at QueenDales. That's Q-U-E-E-N-D-A-L-E-Z. I'm pretty sure you'll see it somewhere down here. And so you can do that as well. But um, the easiest way to reach me is at info at BeHerNow.com.
Yeah, she's taking all bookings, yes. okay, speaking yes. gigs, coaching yes. clients. Yes. Yes. So make sure you hit her up. Thank you so much. You inspire me. Um, I'm about to go. I'm hungry now, so yeah, I'm about to go eat. Lunchtime. It's, time <laughs> it's to go definitely eat. lunchtime. Yeah. So thank you so much, man. Make sure y'all follow her, all right? Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.